This podcast is brought to you by Conquer Cancer, the ASCO Foundation. Our mission is to accelerate breakthroughs in life-saving cancer research and empower people everywhere to conquer cancer. You can help by donating at conquer.org forward slash podcast. Welcome to Your Stories, a podcast where we hear candid stories from people conquering cancer. I'm your host, Brenda Brody. Lillian Krapel wears many hats. Public communicator, philanthropist, marketing and PR wizard, extroverted lover of life. But in recent years, she added new roles to her repertoire, cancer survivor and patient advocate. Lillian launched the HPV Cancers Alliance after surviving anal cancer with an ambitious mission to help prevent and treat human papillomavirus, a cancer-causing infection. Today, she shares her story from navigating diagnosis and treatment to the importance of advocacy for people with HPV infection and related types of cancer. Lillian, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for, you know, bringing me on. I have a lot to say, a lot to to impart and help people. So thank you. Thank you. This is a very important topic and it's a sensitive one. A lot of people don't want to share stories about topics such as HPV. So I am so grateful to you for being open and being such an advocate for others in this area. Can you walk us through when you found out you had it and what your experience was, how you found out, where you were? We'd love to hear your story. Absolutely. Five years ago, I remember telling a friend, oh, I feel like I have this hemorrhoid. It's not going away. Usually they go away. And then I actually saw blood in the toilet when I went to the bathroom, number two. But you know, it wasn't a lot, but it was consistent. And I said, hmm, I really need to take a look at this. And I went to see my gynecologist. She gave me a pap, a vaginal pap, and she said I was fine. And then uh, she did a rectal exam, which by the way, all the GYNs should be doing a rectal exam. It's called a digital rectal exam that's with their finger. And she said I was fine. And I said, I don't think so. And basically, I went to another doctor because I knew something was wrong. And he checked me with a scope called an anoscope. And when he was finished, he was my gastroenterologist. And when we were finished, he did not look at me. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. And he said, tomorrow, we have to get a sigmoidoscopy. And I said, well, what's that? And he said, it's like a colonoscopy, but it looks at the anal canal. So we had that. And then when we were finished and I woke up, he came over to me and he said to me, it's not the best news. And I thought to myself, what? My parents never had cancer. You know, I have longevity in my family. And he said, you have a malignant tumor, cancer. And I said, well, we didn't get the biopsy back yet. How do you know? And he said, I know. And then he said, it's treatable. And that's what I heard. I heard treatable and I took that and I went with it. I do want to say though that the cancer that I had, which was anal cancer, I'm five years out now, it is caused by the HPV virus, human papillomavirus. I did know 
that I had HPV because when I went to the gynecologist for my yearly paps, there were times that she would say, you have some irregular cells, abnormal cells, which means you have HPV. Sometimes they don't say it, but it is HPV if it's irregular or abnormal. And then you go back and you get a colposcopy, which is a further look. They look at the cells under the microscope in a lab. And most of the times you're good. And then that's it. And you go home and you may come back in six months and that's it. And you're good to go. Or you think you're good to go. Sometimes they even do like a laser and they laser off the bad cells. What I want to get out there is number one, that when you go to the gynecologist, you should absolutely be getting the HPV test. It's called a co-test. It is in addition to the pap. And if the doctor's telling you you have abnormal cells, they really should be telling you it's HPV. And you just need to know that this is a virus that can cause cancer. I had no clue. It was so many years since I had an abnormal pap. And you also should make sure that your doctor, your GYN is doing a full pelvic exam, which includes a digital, with their finger, rectal exam. Now, mine did the digital rectal and didn't catch it. So when I asked my gastro doctor, what did you do that my GYN didn't do? And he said, I palpated. So in addition to the scope and checking digitally, he used his fingertips and he felt a hardening that should not have been there. And I did go back to my gynecologist and I was careful when I said to her, hey, this was missed. I didn't say you missed it, although she did. She should not have missed it. I said, this was missed and I have stage two anal cancer. And her answer was, it's not my area. And I was very disappointed with that. And then I came to find out that that's the quote unquote norm. Very interesting. And I'm sorry to hear she said that, you know, that must have been very difficult for you to hear her reaction like that. But I've heard of HPV. Can you tell us more about what cancers HPV can cause and how we might get them. Absolutely. So HPV is a virus. It is the most pervasive virus out there. Pretty much we all have it. If your immune system is down for whatever reason, stress or for whatever reason, your cells can activate. The HPV can cause cancer. There's over 200 strains of HPV. However, There's just a few that cause cancer. There's six cancers that HPV causes. Everybody knows about cervical, but there is anal, there's oral pharyngeal, like Michael Douglas and Stanley Tucci just had treatment. There is penile and there is vaginal and vulvar. Now, as far as women getting anal cancer, I can tell you when I was going through treatment, I think I already knew this, but I learned more about Farrah Fawcett. She died of anal cancer. If you look up her obituary, it just says cancer. It didn't say anal. A friend of mine teaches fitness, international fitness instructor, very well known. She just died of vaginal cancer at 57. And we can talk about this when you're ready, but there's a whole stigma attached. But to answer your question, Farrah Fawcett died of anal cancer. Marsha Cross, the actress who is my partner, 
had the same cancer as me, stage two anal cancer. How do we get it? So first of all, HPV is a very sneaky virus. And what happens is you can get it when you kiss. You can get it from an open mouth kiss. Chances are you got it when you were much younger. And what happens is it goes to your, in your epidermis, it's a skin to skin virus and it stays there, it burrows and it's sneaky. And then it stays there for decades and can come out later on in life when your immune system is not optimal. Thank you for all that information. That's, there's so much knowledge for us in everything that you just shared about HPV and the different cancers that you can get and how you can get it. But there's one thing that I feel we hear from everyone, including breast cancer survivors, know your body, be aware of your body. So many people feel things and experience things and let them go and don't trust their gut instincts and go to doctors and get it checked out. So I think that's a really important thing to share. I hear it almost every episode of that with them when I'm interviewing folks. So thank you for that. What was your treatment regime? My treatment was a specific protocol called the Nigro protocol. And unfortunately, it hasn't changed in 30 years. So there needs to be updates on that. But my treatment was chemo radiation. So I had six weeks of radiation, five days a week, two days off, and at the same time, oral chemo. You don't do surgery in that area because it's too close to the sphincter muscle. Interesting. Yeah, that's tough. Chemo is really hard. I had five months of it. So I still, I was in the infusion room today getting a prolia shot because since chemo, I have osteoporosis. And so I still go every six months and get prolia shots. But yeah, it's such a, a difficult, difficult regiment going through chemo. So, and radiation. I didn't have radiation, but I hear radiation is really difficult, especially in that sensitive area. I, I feel for you. Must have been really, really hard. So the chemo that I had was an oral, was a pill. And I have to say, I never got sick or nauseous once, ever. That's terrific. Every Friday, my doctor would check my bloods and he said, you're strong. And I said, how am I strong? And I ended up with this cancer. And he's like, you know what? Bad luck. But the chemo, no issue. The radiation, it's cumulative. So in the beginning, you know, you don't feel anything. But then when you get to like the third week or three and a half weeks, then especially like you said, in that area, it's so sensitive. You know, I was burned. It was painful toward the end. So much so that I had to, I had to be on painkillers. That's tough. That's really tough. Yeah. Can you share about the research that has been done that you're aware of and what ways did cancer research inform the course of care that you were given? And has it changed in five years? I would say as far as the research, I know now in the case of oral pharyngeal HPV-related cancer, I know that they're working on doing less radiation because it's it's so damaging and they're scarring and so on. There's also immunotherapy, which is big now for anal cancer patients. So they're definitely working on things. I think one of the things that I'm trying to get out there, 
I'd love to have the guidelines change so that an anal pap is included for high risk HPV people. Because by the way, when you get a colonoscopy, the camera bypasses the anal canal. So you can't pick up anal cancer. And also you don't get colonoscopies till you're 45. Bottom line is (laughs) nobody owns this area. Nobody owns it. Is it the GYN? Is it the gastro? So did I answer your question? You absolutely did. Thank you. I mean, without research, none of us would be here. So that is why I am so committed to ASCO and to conquer cancer, because I truly believe without research, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation today. So it's great to hear that slowly in the anal cancer arena, that more and more research is being looked at and hopefully more will be funded in the future to help others so we aren't seeing people die from it. But something I wanted to talk to you about, which you inspire me, something that I think is so important and why I started using my voice after cancer was because people like you who had an illness and wanted to use your voice and your connections, which, you know, being in PR and marketing and advertising and having that wonderful energy that you have, you've created an organization. And this is what I would love to talk about. And you're making a difference for others and you're trying to impact others, educate, inform others, and to change the way the healthcare system is looking at anal cancer. And I thought it was really wonderful. I love the initiative that you all have at the HPV Cancers Alliance, your initiative to empower individuals with the knowledge they need to manage their own health. And I think that says so much for your organization. What made you be on this quest and this mission? And how did you quit your job and start this organization? Thank you so much. It's so nice of you. I'm real. I'm enjoying speaking with you. It's so nice. Back at you. Okay. So first of all, what got me was one day I was at the hospital and there was a woman that was crying and an older lady. She must have been like in her 70s. And I said, what's going on? And she started crying. She said, I have anal cancer and I'm the only one that has it here. Blah, blah, blah. We were waiting for treatment. And I said, no, no, no. I said, come on. I said, I have it too. I said, we're going to be okay. This is the best of the worst. We're going to be fine. We're good. Don't worry. And she said to me, no, no, I'm stage four. And, you know, when you get to stage three and four, then it metastasizes, it goes to the liver and all kinds of stuff like Farah. So then I felt really bad. And I thought, you know, the average person has no idea what HPV is. They don't know that there's a vaccine for it. They don't even know if their kids got it. Some of them don't. They don't know that it can cause cancer and the types of cancers it causes. They don't know that they're actually walking around with it. So I thought, wow, this is a perfect time to, to get going with this because the word virus, it was actually before the pandemic, but it's the most common pervasive virus and everybody needs to know about it because We can save lives. I mean, this is very preventable and treatable. So you just need to know about it. And why don't we know about it? And I know like for colonoscopies, they change the age. They lower the age to 45 from 50. And I've received two postcards in the mail to get a colonoscopy. And I thought, oh, I wish we could do that for HPV and make it 
make it a household name. And then as far as getting my board together, I started with a few doctors that I knew. And then I just went to other referrals and, and Marsha Cross and I, I went after her. There was a post of her on social media saying, oh, I just uh, finished my cancer treatment. And then the next day it said, oh yeah, it was anal cancer. I know, right? And I thought, hmm, I got to talk to her. Turns out a friend of mine grew up in the same town as she did. I sent an email to my friend. My friend sent it to Marsha's sister. Marsha's sister sent it to Marsha. And then Marsha called me and that's how that happened. And she's been incredible and very sweet and, and kind and wants to help people too. Well, you are the ultimate connector and I am so impressed and we need more people like you in the cancer community in all cancers, helping rally people to educate and inform. And I have a question for you. If there were three key things that your organization could do to impact, what would they be? I know you've mentioned at least one or two. But if you had three key things that your organization could impact in the next few years, what would they be? So one would be that, and we're trying to work on this, every single gynecologist knows about HPV. They know about doing a full pelvic exam, which would include a full anal exam. So that would be one, because that would be the first step in diagnosing there's something there. So they need to know how to do it correctly. So that would be number one. Number two would be the stigma. We need to get rid of the stigma about HPV because you didn't do anything wrong to get HPV. Again, it's a skin-to-skin virus. You could have had open mouth kissing. You could touch a part of your body and then touch another part and get it. I'd like to somehow turn that around and make HPV a household name and not something to be embarrassed about and the cancers not to be embarrassed about it because we all have a booty and we we all use it. So I'd rather talk about it and know about it and live. You know, I know people that won't, won't get exams because they don't, they're embarrassed, which is, that's a whole other story. So that would be the second thing. The third thing would be that anal cancer, for example, it's considered a rare cancer. However, it's on the rise. So what I would love is if there was money allocated to teaching these doctors how to do a proper anal exam where they palpate like my gynecologist did and they really find it. Because again, my gynecologist didn't find it and she should have because anal cancer, believe it or not, is very different from rectal cancer. They're two different things. Rectal's higher up anus is lower. That's why you can't do surgery on the anus, but you can do it in rectal. She should have technically caught it. So it would be fantastic if they can get this education out there, the teaching of how to do these exams. And it is out there to a degree, you know, to the medical interns and and to the medical societies and have insurance pay for these anal PEPs because even though it's a rare cancer, it is on the rise. That sounds like a really important thing. I know that's a probably an uphill battle with insurance, but it sounds like it's really important for many communities for insurance to pay for a pap smear. So I'm, I'm very excited and hopeful because I can tell that you are going to accomplish many goals and quickly with your organization. Keep going, girl. I'm going, I'm going. 
So can you tell me a little bit more about the power of your community, your friends, your supporters that helped you while you were conquering cancer? I know it's so important for people not to do it alone. Tell us about your experience and your community that helped you. Yes. So what happened was when the doctor told me that day, you know, you have this uh, stage two, when I finally got the biopsy and he said, it's treatable, literally looked at my watch and said, let's go. I just, I want to just get it out of me. Let's go. I want to start today. Well, obviously you can't start today. You have to take all kinds of tests and so on and so forth. And you have to get a mold to be placed in. So the radiation people know how to move you and so on and so forth. But what I did was I went and I mobilized, I made a calendar and because I knew it was going to be 30 days, six weeks times five, 28 to 30 days. I made a calendar. I sent it to my friends and I said, fill it in what day you want to come with me for treatment. Now I could have gone by myself because I'm walking distance from there and I could walk no problem. But when I was with my friends, I felt like it normalized me because yesterday I was normal. I'm just somebody else walking around New York City. And now I'm in this waiting room in a cancer hospital with all these other cancer patients. What am I doing here? It was just surreal. So by having my friends there, it normalized things. And I would show them the room that I'm in and so on. And it's so funny because down the road, I had a party to thank all the doctors and nurses. And my doctors said, we didn't understand. Why is this woman so happy? She's trotting around showing people her room, her radiation room. We were like, does she know she has cancer? But I was super positive. Unfortunately, my dad wasn't around. He was you know, no longer here, which is sad. And then my mom had dementia, so I, I really couldn't involve them. And siblings were in different places. So I leaned on my friends and they were fantastic. And it was great. I had one friend who literally came from East Hampton and Long Island with a wheelie full of Thanksgiving stuff from the gravy to the sweet potatoes because she wanted to make sure that I had Thanksgiving. So yeah, so it was it was good. I think it really boosted me up and Having positive attitude helps. Yes. Going through it myself, if I didn't have my friends and my family around me, and it's amazing. We have so, there's so many parallels with us. My mom has dementia and had dementia when I was going through it as well. And my dad was gone. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And I have two siblings, but I also had this village of friends and we did the same thing. It's the power of, you know, girlfriends. And I had a chemo buddy for each thing that really did help lift me up. So I understand exactly the power of friendship and what it can do to help you emotionally. It's been five years now. How are you doing? Do you worry it's gonna come back? How do you manage your PTSD? How are things going for you now? This is the way I treated it. You know, and I talked to a lot of patients and stuff. I have to say this, being treated here in New York City, I had very, very good care. I'm not saying that you can't get good care anywhere else. But what I am saying is when you get treated in a very small town where you don't have access to, to good care and it's a rare cancer, it's not always going to turn out that great. In fact, sometimes I'm embarrassed when I'm talking to patients and they're telling me all the problems they were having. And, and I'm thinking to myself, no, that didn't happen to me. I'm five years out. And the way I treated this was 
I just want to get rid of this thing. Like, I just want to get it out of me. Just get it out. It's six weeks. I'm getting rid of it. That's how I treated it. It didn't define me or anything. And I don't worry about getting it again. I don't worry about it. I just live each day. My doctor, my medical oncologist said, I'm going to be in the survivorship program now. I graduate. (laughs) That she hasn't seen anyone who's five years out who gets another HPV-related cancer. But today I went for an exam and they said they saw some abnormalities and they took some biopsies and they're going to check. But I'm not worried about it because I'll deal with it. That's terrific. It's all right. We'll figure it out. You know, I have people calling me like, I have HPV. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes people who are married, their partner ends up being diagnosed with HPV or an HPV related cancer. And then there's like fighting and divorce and this. And it's like, oh my God, no, they already had it. And by the way, I want to say to you, when you said earlier about making a difference, this 75-year-old lady hand wrote me a letter, hand wrote me a letter that she had an HPV related cancer. P.S. I was on the phone with her on a Zoom yesterday with her. And she told me that she had oral pharyngitis, tongue cancer. And she's from a very small town in Mississippi. She lives in a log cabin. And she said to me, my husband, my daughters, my family told me, don't tell anyone, don't say it. And she told me that she heard some of my webinars with Marsha. One of them was how to talk about an HPV-related cancer. And she was inspired and she's not embarrassed anymore. She talks about it. So that really made a difference. What an empowering story that you had someone that heard a webcast and reached out to you from a very small town. Because access is something that is talked about a lot and it's a big challenge globally. How do we get folks that don't have access, which just breaks my heart to think about all those living with cancer, recently diagnosed, and whether they can't afford it or they're in small regions of the globe and don't have access to good medical care. And I know that's something that we're seeing ASCO work on. We're seeing the bio and pharma companies are very focused as well as government institutions and the world health and everything. But we have a long way to go in that area of access. But being able to have opportunities like this to share your story and for those folks who don't necessarily have access or wouldn't have thought to go to the doctor, when they have a sign, someone is going to hear this, this podcast, and you're going to make a difference. And that to me is what is so magical about this Your Stories podcast is hearing stories of others and impacting others. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Brenda. My daughter got the HPV vaccine, but I have some friends that just don't believe in vaccines. I mean, we're seeing this now with COVID. There's still a large portion of the globe that have not chose to get the COVID vaccine. What are you seeing with young people and HPV vaccination? I let people know about the vaccine. I actually got the vaccine at age when I was done with my treatment, which was, I was 53, I think, or 53. And I got it because I thought, oh, I'm single and maybe it will protect me against some strains that maybe I don't have. So I thought, let me get it. And I have a lot of people who are newly 
in a relationship in their 60s, 50s, 70s, and they ask me about it, there's no downside to getting the vaccine. I don't push it on anyone, but I can tell you this. If you're a parent and you have kids or a niece, nephew, honestly, it is a no-brainer. It is the only vaccine that prevents cancer. Now, I have patients who were anti-vaxxers, who were very devout Christians. The anti-vaxxer person I'm speaking of now has a jacket that she wears and on the back it says, please get your kids the vaccine. You don't want to go through what I went through. She had anal cancer. The other person that is now stage four, because her doctors messed up, she has a hashtag that says Christians get HPV too. So you know what? That's great. This prevents cancer. You don't want anyone going through cancer. And I wish we had the vaccine back then. I just learned something else really important. Those that have HPV still should get the vaccine because they're 200 strains and you can be protected from some of the other strains. Am I understanding that? Yes. And that's a great point. You know, it's fine to want to do things organically and so on and so forth. And I'm all for that. But you really, you can't uh, bury your head in the sand or look the other way. There's science on this vaccine. You can look up all the statistics from the CDC or the HPV roundtable. I'm glad we're talking about this because I don't think enough people talk about HPV. And especially now that we know there's a vaccine that can help the next generations not go through what you went through and so many others that have had cancers related to HPV. So I thank you. I have learned so much today. I don't assume that I know everything about um, cancers such as HPV, but I really had no idea the amount, the numbers of cancers that HPV can cause, how you can get HPV, And then obviously the importance of the vaccine, even if you have HPV, you should consider getting the vaccine. I think that's a great message. What does cancer research save lives mean to you? Cancer research save lives means it might seem slow to everyone, but behind the scenes, there's inroads and they're doing things. I remember when I was getting my blood taken at the hospital and I said, do you think there's ever going to be a cure? And the phlebotomist said, you know, I've been at this hospital for 15 years and just in a few years there, there's been so many improvements. Cancer research is so important. And without the research, we wouldn't know we can lower the dosage of radiation for oral pharyngeal. I think cancer research has gotten us to where we are now, where if it were even five, 10 years ago, Like if it were 10 years ago, nobody even spoke about anal cancer. If you Googled it, there was nothing. So research, development, information, it's so crucial. It's absolutely crucial. I couldn't agree more. To me, cancer research saves lives and it provides so much hope for those, especially those with metastatic. We're seeing so much in the area of cancer research and immunotherapy and just giving folks more time even for those that are terminal. I think we're both so grateful for it. My final question is, how are you conquering cancer? How am I conquering cancer? I didn't give into it. I was like, all right, this is a thing that I'm going to get rid of. 
and I'm going to be done with it and that's it. And I'm going to let everybody know. It's like you're getting a really awesome dress on sale. You want to tell your friends so that this cancer can be a thing of the past. I can tell you this, that in Australia, they're very, very ahead of us. The HPV vaccine is mandated there. And they, I think, have a goal by 2030 or 2040 to be to eradicate HPV. So my thing is like how I'm conquering it is education, 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 get the word out. Together, we're stronger. I work with a ton of mission partners, organizations that they created their organizations by personally being affected by an HPV-related cancer. They might not have an actress on there or, or the board that I have, but they've created it and we're all mission partners because we're not in competition. I feel together we're stronger. Together we are stronger. Yeah, together we're stronger. And that's why HPV, we're coming for you. That's great. Well, keep it coming, Lillian. Thank you for all you do. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you for creating this extraordinary organization that's going to help so many in the future. I can't wait to see and continue to watch what you do in that world. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Conquer Cancer, the ASCO Foundation. For doctor-approved patient information, please visit cancer.net, which is supported in part by Conquer Cancer donors. Conquer Cancer is creating a world where cancer is prevented or cured and every survivor is healthy. You can help by donating now at conquer.org forward slash podcast. The participants of this podcast report no conflicts of interest relevant to this podcast. Full disclosures can be found on the episode page on conquer.org. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. This is not a substitute for professional medical care and is not intended for use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Guest statements on the podcast do not express the opinions of ASCO. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy should not be construed as an ASCO endorsement.